Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Federal View podcast series from Government Marketing University. This series offers commentary and insights from our ambassadors who are all former government trailblazers who served in leadership roles. During these podcasts, our ambassadors look behind the IT hype and candidly discuss how they would prioritize their time and their budgets today. Listen to this podcast series to hear the federal view from behind the scenes on current headlines and hot topics that will help you in your marketing and sales efforts to the federal government. Welcome to the first podcast of the Federal View, where, where we're going to be discussing timely topics around digital transformation and citizen experience from the perspective of federal CIOs and from the service delivery side. So this is the first in a series of podcasts where um, we will be talking about these issues. Um, I'm Martha Doris, the CEO of Doris Consulting International, and I have with me two fabulous um, women who are joining me today to talk about these issues. Um, We have Karen Britton and Kimberly Hancher, and I'll let them tell you a little bit about themselves. Hello, I'm Karen Britton, currently uh, Senior VP and Chief Operations Officer of eManagement, small woman-owned IT consulting firm. I am the former uh, CIO of Executive Office of the President, uh, serving from 2009 to 2015 in the Obama administration. And I'm Kimberly Hancher. I'm a former Federal Chief Information Officer at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission uh, and a retired Federal Executive. I'm currently working uh, as a Principal Consultant with Deep Water Point. Thank you, ladies. Um, so Kimberly and Karen and I were on a panel last year together, and we had such a good time together that we decided that this was going to be a lot of fun to get us all together and just, you know, where else can you just give your own opinion and people are going to listen to it. So um, we really look forward to, you know, sharing opinions from different perspectives with the audience. And um, thank you to GovMark University for, um, for hosting this. So I think we're going to get started today by just giving a little bit, like setting the stage for where we are in the environment today, which is um, in a pretty volatile situation. Um, I, and, and I mean just a lot of changes going on and a lot of moving parts all at the same time. So we know that, you know, we have an election, obviously, and we have very few political appointees um, below the secretary levels. We have one political CIO in place at DHS. We have very few COOs or, or deputy secretaries. We have a, have a skinny budget that's been um, presented to the Hill. And then we have had some executive orders and uh, memos around transforming government and, and uh, reducing the workforce. And so we've had also the um, um, modernizing government, the proposed Modernizing Government Technology Act that it has, you know, widespread implications if that goes through, um, a new cyber um, executive order, and then the proposed federal agency Customer Experience Act of 2017. So with all of these things happening, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting time to be in the federal government 
an even a more interesting time if you're on the industry side trying to figure out what the government's going to do with all of this because trying to understand what you should focus on, what you shouldn't, um, you know, where you should be spending your time and resources um, can get kind of um, kind of daunting sometimes. I heard Linda Springer speak the other day, and she was talking about this, that this budget is really going to give, um, it's intended um, to focus on giving taxpayers value and that there's going to be some difficult decisions. I, I, I think that there's a lot going on, which we'll get into around proposed plans and, and people not really addressing these workforce issues or reductions up front. But in reality, in order to get to the cuts that are proposed, there's probably going to have to be some work, workforce issues or some workforce reductions. So um, we're going to start by getting everybody. So Karen, like with everything going on, where, where do you see, if you're in the government doing the job that you had, you know, as a CIO, where would you focus your attention in the challenges that you have? How would you kind of lead your organization? Well, I would definitely say, Martha, that, you know, CIOs coming in and even those who are in the career positions that are underneath as the deputies awaiting for some of their politicals in place are having the challenge of tackling people, process, and technology all at the same time. Um, certainly with this look on agency reform and having to be focused on lean, accountable, and efficient, they're having to look at uh, making the most out of processes and being most efficient on their, on their business side, on their processes, but then too on uh, the limitations in, in their spend plans because most, if not all, of um, IT spending is on legacy systems. I think we're seeing and we have seen uh, close to about 69% spent on, on legacy. And so this movement of getting out, you know, certainly making sure that you're operationalized, but getting out and moving to digital strategies, moving to cloud technology is definitely a challenge for them. Um, I think what they need to do is take a step back because on some of those legacy systems, they're not operationally run and they pose some of the biggest security challenges for them. Uh, typically, we want to move out into all of the newfangled things on cloud as opposed to, as I said, really taking into account some of the legacy hardware and software and, and platforms. So those are some things that really uh, need to be in place and they need to move out on quickly, I would say. And I, I really couldn't agree more. From a CIO perspective, um, the points that you made are really uh, absolutely valid. Looking for a sustainable spend, uh, you know, over sort of long, longitudinally. Um, and then where can you reduce costs um, to have sort of a buffer to absorb what we know will be at least 20% reduction in uh, appropriation levels for FY 2018. The other thing, I guess, in my, the other hat I would put on is that of a federal executive for the agency, because most agencies uh, will be using their entire senior leadership to identify how they will reorganize, how they will uh, reduce their workforce requirements. And one of the recent publications that came out is a, uh, a special report um, by the Heritage Foundation called Blueprint 
for reorganization and analysis of federal departments and agencies. And it just came out, it looks like June 12th, so earlier this week. Um, I would be taking a look at what the Heritage Foundation is saying, only because we know that this administration will be looking at that. So, I, um, you know, you guys know I was on the service side, so I um, was either a partner or customer of the CIO's office. And I just wonder, um, you know, it always felt like there was so much money spent on IT, right? And so, and we have, um, we, we've had a kind of mixed, obviously, success in these big IT systems. And with all the money being spent on sustaining your operations and maintenance, and we, now we have this Modernizing Government Technology Act that's being proposed that's going to um, allow agencies to identify spend, create their own working capital funds, and then use savings to, um, to fund, like, new uh, innovative things. I mean, how do you how do you all think that the and the MGT Act is, would have impacted you, or do you see any challenges that you know will be faced um, based on that bill? Um, definitely, I, I I do because uh, you know to your point, Martha. Really, um, the the MGT Act does focus on two things. It really authorizes this whole central fund of money for agencies in the form of business cases. So again, back to the user experience and delivery of solutions. What are they going to be providing? And then the second piece is um, kind of creating this whole uh, area, like a working capital fund pot, where all money that's currently spent on legacy systems are identified. So I would say my whole focus uh, for having been a CIO or being a CIO today would be going back to and understanding those mission critical systems that you need to execute, but what that means to the users, how that's actually delivered, what's the user experience like, how, how that's communicated and how that delivery is, and to the point of these agencies, ultimately what does that mean to our constituents? I think some of those things are bottom line and necessities that need to be focused on at this point. So that money um, that you get from the, the management fund, the management technology fund, has to be paid back. I think within three years, if I remember correctly. Um, so would you, either one of you, prefer to, like, in my mind, take out a loan, right, that has to be repaid, or try to save internally? I would do both. Honestly, I've done the one which is um, significantly target areas of my IT budget to reduce the spend in order to innovate in something that is truly essential to the mission. And it's tough, very tough to do, but I will tell you that you can't do it unless you have some insight into your spend, and that's one of the things that Fatara brings. It right, brings right. the ability at the largest agencies and at the CFO Act agencies to get insight into the overall IT spend. And there, uh, that's, so that's the first step. Um, once you do have that, it, it really is um, uh, obvious where you can make some savings. And so I think being able to take savings and use them within your agency, um, within the IT program, is a really good way to go, having done that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think that um, the Working Capital Fund will take some um, practice 
some tests, a little bit of trial and error before we get it right. So um, having the 24 CFO Act agencies being subject to this and not every single agency across uh, you know, the federal government, I do think that makes sense. I think you brought up a really good point, which is knowing where you're spending your money, right? And, and, and I'll add to that, which is knowing what assets you have, right? Because I know from my work at GSA, knowing agencies knowing what software they have, for Correct. example, you know, you could have software sitting on somebody's, Correct. you know, system that they haven't used in five years, but you're still paying for it. So, so I think that those two are really good strategies for beginning to identify ways to save money, and I'm sure there's more, but that whole asset management piece, mm-hmm. um, which is not easy. The, I mean, the government is huge, and so, yeah. and, and especially when you're at a, a huge department, right? And, and, and IT inventory is, is extremely important. And Correct. so many times we don't take the opportunity for some of that low-hanging fruit and just to gather that. And to Kimberly's point about that, relationship that should exist between the Chico, the CIO, and the CFO, which uh, certainly is part of the success of the FATARA Act, is if you have that relationship and you are either doing a top-down, bottoms-up IT budget review with your CFO, you're identifying ways to automate and reduce some of the spending, and you're transitioning your workforce into areas where there may be potential gaps that they need to shore up on to move towards some of these uh, either positions that are being recreated or obviously um, making some changes on some of the performance reviews. So as you, as you guys are talking, I was thinking about the, um, when I moved USA.gov to the cloud, right? So. I think moving, that's another area where it helps us to improve security, yeah. uh, reduce cost, um, and free up some, some cash to be able to, to do innovative things. Um, and one other area that comes to mind is, you know, with data center consolidation, and I know from my standpoint, contact center consolidation. So I think that the VA had... 400 contact centers mm-hmm. until they started digging, and now they find out they have 1,800. Mm-hmm. So there's there's room for consolidating, right? Yeah. Do we need 1,800 contact centers or even 400 contact centers? Mm-hmm. And to think about it from the veteran's perspective, or and to think about it from the efficiency of the organization, there's like all these, you know, win, win, win all the way around, right? That's right. So um, anyway, I, that was a kind of unexpected kind of deep dive into some pretty, I think, interesting things in terms of helping agencies think about ways to save money. Um, I want to go back to the memo, um, the the M1722 on transforming government and restructuring the workforce, because we're coming up in the next two weeks where agencies have two plans that they have to submit to OMB. One is on how to improve, like, the performance of their workforce, and one is basically reorganization plans that they're going to be um, submitting, and then over the summer, they're going to be working with um, both sides of of OMB, budget and management side are going to meet with the agencies and try to have a real dialogue back and forth rather than a, here's what the answer is, so go do it. But they're, from what Linda was saying, it's going to be a back and forth, you know, discussion about what's the, to get buy-in from the agencies as well. Um, so if you were an agency and you're sitting there like you got two weeks to, 
to go. Um, what do you what do you think you would be you know anything come to mind in terms of um, what I might include well, in my report? Because yeah. yeah, well, like I said, I would look at that heritage study. Um, I would just see what they're saying, um, and that's one aspect. I would also be looking at what my rank and file employees have told me. Hopefully, agencies have asked their own staff, their own workforce, their own stakeholders, um, the customers that they serve. Um, you know, what are the areas that you don't think are most important, <laughs> or the areas that you think are least important uh, of the agency? And, you know, it's hard to ask that question, but it is the right question to be asking. And I agree with you. I think asking employees, I mean, uh, you know, I'm all about the customer, but I think a lot of times the employees are even um, really insightful because they deal with so many different customers and they know where things are going right and where they're where they're not. And there there's possibilities that they can um, do some some uh, they can identify duplication even overlap and duplication that could be could be streamlined. Sure, I, I think it, what is critical is what you both bring up, which is this communications because. Internal to these agencies, employees can be thinking like, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? Are they going to bring out a, a, a Vera Visa? Uh, what does it mean in terms of low morale? And so getting their input as well as the outward-facing um, customers is, is really big because people hear things like top-down, bottoms-up review, and right away there's a lot of fear, um, as opposed to talking to them about ridding waste redundancies, duplication, um, getting their input on improving process, process efficiencies, or getting their input on removing barriers in terms of what it takes to get their jobs done. Yeah, I think that the um, it's difficult to go through all this kind of change and keep the morale and the engagement of the employees um, high throughout the process. And um, I'm not sure I have the answer to that other than engaging them in the process and uh, trying to get, just get their ideas so that they feel part of it, I guess. Um, That's right. That's right. And, you know, it is a part of an engaged workforce. Um, we all talk about how important employee engagement is to fulfillment of the mission and being a performance organization. Well, when you're going through tough times, that's the right time to engage your employees in what their future might look like. Um, even though it's a very difficult exercise. Um, I do think that um, the whole, the other part, which is the reductions in the workforce, is going to be very, very difficult. And I don't know what to expect in those June 30th plans. Um, so, especially the agencies that are being eliminated, and we're talking about programs, uh, you know, 50-some programs and 16, you know, somewhere under 20 actual organizations being eliminated. Well, they did have, I think, four agencies that testified yesterday, and I think it's still they're not, everybody's not going in that, like, reducing workforce yet. Right. Um, they're more looking at how do they, I know at least the USDA side, they were looking at how to improve the service delivery to the, to the citizens um, and to their customers. 
but I'm going to um, I'm going to throw like a big bomb in the middle of it. And you know, we do have one agency that has doing doing some pretty big reorganizations right now. So just last week or the week before, GSA yeah. announced that they were going to move the Technology Transformation Service, which is just over one year old, um, into the Federal Acquisition Service. And um, there, it's been, it was, it's been initiated by an acting um, administrator, a career GSA employee. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I can tell you because the day that it happened and the next day my phone was ringing up. Ringing up. Ringing up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, um, and I think that there's more um, willingness to just let things unfold um, because they, they didn't know, um, you know, what was happening sort of anyway. And there's, right. the way this office is structured is you have under the Technology Transformation Service, which was created, you have you have 18, 18F, right. and then you have these portfolios, like the Innovation Portfolio, and there's one around data, and there's one around public experience, um, and there may be a, a, another couple of them. But, um, and that was the old office that I was in, Citizen Services and Innovative Technologies, and 18F. And so now all of this and all of that umbrella was being run, is being run by Rob Cook, um, and now it's all being moved um, there. And then at the same time, the commissioner of FAF and the deputy commissioner resigned. So um, we have a new commissioner coming in, and we have Mary Davey moving up from the information technology category side into an acting deputy commissioner. So, um, yeah, you know, all very intriguing. And you know what? I, I'm going to I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that part of the driver, one of the drivers of moving uh, technology transfer service into FAS, is that perhaps that's where they're going to put the management of the working capital fund. You know, that, that could might make some sense actually. Well, so the NBC Act did right. call for it to be run by the Technology Transformation Service. So yeah. it is possible that one piece of this driver mm -hmm. was yeah. that are you going to let an organization that's had IG reviews about managing money mm -hmm. actually manage two hundred forty eight million dollars in in the MGT mm -hmm. Act, right? Okay. Fund. Um, that could be one of them. The other thing is, you know, there's mixed funding streams. Um, in that organization. So there's appropriated and there's also um, the acquisition services fund. And um, there wasn't a lot of control by FAST on the, on the acquisition services fund. So that could be another reason. But I just wondered, you know, what you guys were thinking about it. I know there's a lot of, a lot of people wondering what's going to happen. Um, it, it, you know, will it be will it be contained as two separate organizations? Or I saw Jim Williams on Government Matters, and he and he was talking about you know, it'll probably be, you know, broken apart and like, so like with DHS, you know, you don't have all these, you try not to have all these separate ones, but you want to try to integrate them so there's some synergy there. So, uh, I mean, I look forward, you know, I have vested interest, obviously, just because I grew up there, um, but to see how all this kind of shakes out, I'm just wondering what you guys, you know, thoughts yeah. are. Yeah, I, I mean, I think... Just like we're talking about DHS as an example uh, of how it grew and came together, we can't have all these silos. So it's more about integration. It's more about figuring out where the best place should be for the acquisitions piece versus the service delivery piece. So I, th I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting as we watch it play out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in reality, you could be raising the, the, the entire ship, right? Like if you've got innovative thinkers over here and you have 
kind of um, people that have done things a certain way, and I'm not saying that they're not innovative because um, that would not be true, but, but there's definitely a difference in culture. And so how do you take the culture of one organization? And, and they both need to, like, you know, infuse some pieces into each other. So it's, um, I actually think it was a brilliant move on Tim Horn's part because it's a bold move, but I think it's a brilliant move because it, it will allow some structure and discipline to be brought into some of it on both sides. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think um, with, you know, budgets and staffing and reductions in, in restructuring of staff, um, we have some pretty interesting times ahead. So um, I know we're going to have future conversations about these issues, and I look forward to getting together with you guys again and us um, continuing the conversation. You just heard an exclusive Federal View podcast series interview from Government Marketing University. This series offers commentary and insights from our ambassadors who are all former government trailblazers who served in leadership roles. Stay tuned for more podcast interviews and don't miss out on GAIN 2017 taking place on October 13th at the Hyatt Regency Residence. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.